So I'm Zach, and uh, this is my bride of 16 years. We're really excited to get to share our story. I want to start by uh, sharing a verse that's kind of been a theme for our marriage, and it's John 9, 3. And the disciples had asked Jesus why a man was born blind, and they asked, is it because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? And Jesus answered, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So as usual, we'll start by sharing a little bit about our background first. Um, I grew up in a loving family, the baby of three kids and only girl, so that means I was just really spoiled. Um, My parents will celebrate their 45th anniversary later this year. Growing up, I never once saw them fight, which I thought was a good thing until I got married and realized I had absolutely no idea what to do with conflict. Um, But I'm so thankful that I can say that my childhood was overall full of happy memories of building snow forts, uh, vacations, Denver Bronco games, wanting to marry John Elway. Um, Just about the most traumatic thing that happened was when I moved from Denver, Colorado to a little town north of here in Texas when I was in third grade. Um, Although I was raised in the church, it wasn't until my junior year in high school that I fully understood the difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. Before that, my view of God was really based more on what I said or did rather than on grace and love. And my parents uh, were divorced by the time I was four years old. Uh, After that, my mom and I moved around for a few years before my mom married my stepdad, who had two sons. We lived a largely normal childhood and lived in the country. I ran around in creek beds, camped out a lot, had BB gun wars, fished a lot, set things on fire, typical things country kids did. So after my eighth grade year, we moved to a smaller town where I began to experiment experiment with drugs and alcohol. And um, by high school, I drank and smoked marijuana on a regular basis. Uh, a friend led me to Jesus when I was 15, but I was, it was about two years later before I really started trying to follow Jesus. So fast forward, on my ninth, 19th birthday, a friend of mine brought his friend to church And like any good Baptist girl, I was instantly attracted to this long-haired, Seattle-Washington, grunge-looking musician. Um, Zach and I became fast friends and shortly after began dating. Early on in our dating relationship, we began talking about marriage. So um, after seeking lots of wise counsel... And completely ignoring it. We married at the age of 20. Still in college. Working minimum wage jobs. And after knowing each other for only about a year and a half. So after all, we knew love would take care of everything, right? Um, so that, that gets us off to a great start in marriage. Uh, actually, we, we really had no idea what we'd gotten ourselves into. Uh, I played music in a rock band, and, and I really believed I was going to be a rock star. Um, this, this dream kind of dictated a lot of the decisions I would make for my family, and, and that included really where we lived and how we'd spend our time and our money. So it didn't take long for me to begin to really hate some of the very things that attracted me to Zach in the first place. His freestyle nature quickly became lazy and immature in my mind. Um, Because I found security in education, when he refused to return to college after we took a semester off to get married, um, I laid kind of one of the first bricks of resentment. Even though we were barely making ends meet, he refused to take a job that might interfere with his band, which I just added more and more bricks. Um, Even though I was frustrated, I still tried to be a good wife and support Zach and his passion. I was at almost every show he played and even agreed to buy a new guitar when we really needed a new washing machine. And and I want to insert here that while I don't doubt what she just said, I don't remember it. And that that probably just kind of tells you enough there. 
So on the other hand, um, I was passionate about orphan care, especially in Russia, but I never felt like Zach reciprocated my support, support for my passion. So for two years in a row, I prepared for and made two trips to Russia by myself to work with orphans. Even though I tried to talk to Zach about things like this that were bothering me, it never really seemed to make a difference. So every time I felt dismissed or ignored or lied to or tripped on his shoes again and again, I laid brick after brick. For me, I thought things were great. The few times that Kim came to me and, and tried to discuss how she felt, I invalidated her feelings by saying that she shouldn't be feeling that way. This led to sort of a ceasefire for her, uh, which further fostered my blindness to the fact that our marriage was heading for trouble. During conflict, I never wanted to be understood, nor did I ever attempt to understand. I just wanted to win. And because I thought I had won all the conflicts, as far as I knew, everything was great. As another example of my selfishness, uh, two days after our son Jonathan was born, six weeks premature... Over Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. Uh, I chose to attend band rehearsal, uh, leaving Kim alone at the hospital with him when his heart rate dropped and he had to be hooked back up to machines and stuff like that. That one got a lot more breaks. Yeah. Um, I was completely oblivious of the, the hurt that this kind of stuff caused her. So at the time, I really had no idea the effects of resentment... By our sixth year of marriage, our son was three, and Zach was leading worship at our little church. I was in my last year of undergrad for a degree in social work. After years of laying brick after brick of resentment, I had built a wall. But it wasn't just between me and Zach, but between me and the Lord as well. We'd made some new friends, and the wife and I hit it off well. After a short while, though, the husband would occasionally make flirtatious comments to me, which I found flattering. And eventually, he and I began talking on the phone exclusively, and then we began a physical relationship that lasted for six months. During that time, I thought I was doing a good job of keeping everything under wraps and dismissing Zach's growing insecurities, but the Lord began to reveal my sin to Zach. Luke twelve two says, everything that is hidden will be shown, and everything that is secret will be made known. And yeah, I was, I was actually having weird dreams about like my wedding ring being broken in half and someone telling me that... I'll be so glad when you guys are broken up. And I don't, I don't know what all that meant, really, but it was clear that there was something very wrong in our relationship. So one night, after a few drinks with my closest friend, I let slip the nature of my relationship with the other guy. She didn't really know what to say at first, but after a few days, she called me and told me that she had been physically sick. She was sick because she, she was sure that what she knew she had to tell me would end our friendship. This was a special friend for both me and Zach, and she was actually Zach's girlfriend in high school for three years. Uh, We'd met on mine and Zach's first date and became instant friends, like dropped Zach off after our date and went straight to the mall. Um, And she was even a bridesmaid in our wedding. So she insisted that I end my relationship with the other man and speak with the pastor immediately, or she intended to tell Zach herself what was going on. So to appease her, I begrudgingly made an appointment to speak with a worship leader at my parents' church, just hoping it would be easy to check in and out with a pastor I didn't really know very well. Um, but as he, sh- he shared his story of grace and redemption, which included past struggles with drugs, alcohol, and even an affair, which gave me hope, so I decided to tell him everything that, that was going on. Um, he encouraged me to not only confess to the Lord, but to confess to Zach as well. And as soon as possible. So the next night after we put our son to bed, I confessed my affair to Zach. Um, that was 
probably the worst night of my life, um, but God, God quickly showed me that I was not at all guiltless. Um, I had struggled with pornography throughout our marriage, so I confessed that I had continued to, to uh, look at it throughout our marriage. And God also showed me that I had neglected Kim and, and had failed to lead the way God intended me to lead. So after a few hours of crying and yelling and questions, I felt so much freedom like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. But I felt like the confession didn't need to end with Zach, so I picked up the phone one by one that night and began calling some of our closest friends, seeking their forgiveness for lying to them by the way I was living, hurting um, someone they love, and most of all for cheapening the name of the Lord with my actions. I also knew that if we had any hope of surviving this, that we'd need all the help we could get. To that end... Uh, the next morning, my best friend took off work and drove an hour to be with me while Kim went to school. Um, he left once Kim got home, and, and then our pastor and another friend came over um, from our church. They, they both showed up. This really began forming the, uh, the foundation of what we'd need going forward as we, we began the process of healing, and that was community. Our healing and progress would have taken a lot longer without it. So I wish I, I, wish I could tell you that I immediately ran to God and sought his forgiveness and healing, or that I tried to clung to truth in scripture like Romans 8, 8 that says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But to be honest, I was absolutely paralyzed in guilt and shame. It was months before I could begin, before I could bring myself to utter even a word in prayer. And it would be a few years before I could even go a day without thinking about the affair and without being riddled with fear that it would happen again. Um, I finally came to a point where I could see evidence of Kim walking with Jesus um, and where I could finally say with confidence that she did love me and wanted to serve God. God began showing me that I didn't need her, I needed him. And I finally began to work on myself and trust that the Lord would take care of Kim. We began to learn how to talk through conflict, even until 2 a.m. in the morning, um, through an issue together, working through an issue together. We fought for our marriage together, and we rebuilt our family together. So after four years, once we turned our hearts to the Lord, he turned our hearts toward each other. In that time, we began attending Watermark. We joined a community group who who were intentional about living out Hebrews 10.44, spurring each other, oh, sorry, Hebrews 10.24, spurring each other on towards love and good deeds. They helped show Zach to take a more active role in leading our family, both physically and spiritually. They encouraged me to let go of the leadership role that I had assumed early in our marriage. Zach left his band of 13 years and began leading our family like never before. I finished my master's and was working as a foster care and adoption social worker. Things came full circle on June 4th, 2009, right about right now, uh, when we received our first foster child placement, a five-year-old girl, Tatiana, who we were able to adopt January 2011. Then in October 2010, we accepted placement of a 13-year-old boy, David, who we adopted in April 2011. And in August of 2011, we had our third foster placement and fourth child. Although the period um, after Kim confessed the affair was the most difficult in my life and our marriage, uh, the next chapter of our life was definitely the most difficult time for our family as a whole. Our oldest son, David, was making choices that were harmful to him and others and had a constant attitude of disrespect towards Kim, which created an atmosphere of almost constant conflict in our home as I defended her. Um, Then in March 2012, our third foster care placement left, making it our first and very difficult goodbye. 
a month or so later, some of the choices our oldest son had been making resulted in legal consequences, and we had to drive him to the police station to be arrested. Um, Together, Kim and I made the decision not to stand in the way of his consequences. So we trusted that the Lord had a plan. Romans 13.1 says that that all governments had been placed in power by God. So the judges God allowed to be in office, to the judges, the, uh, to the attorneys that he appointed, to the counselors he chose, we knew that God was in control of every single detail. But it wasn't easy. I remember telling a friend through sobbing tears that I keep having the worst day of my life because each day held something even more devastating than the one before. As I felt like I was sinking, she supported me by faithfully reminding me of truth held in God's word. Together, we've seen our son be unsuccessfully discharged from one outpatient program and one inpatient program for not participating in therapy. Um, He's currently in his second inpatient program. Together, over the past two years, we've made either 45-minute drives weekly for counseling sessions or visitation or made a monthly four-hour drive for visitation days. Together, we've reminded our son um, of our love for him, his place in our family, and most importantly, his place as as one of God's children. Together, we've prayed for him and for his heart to be changed and healed. And it's taken almost two years, but we're finally seeing evidence of that change, and he is scheduled to come home later this month. So with everything we've gone through the past few years, God has been faithful. And although we don't know what things will look like once he's back home, we know that God will continue to be faithful. So you've you've probably noticed that we've used the word together a lot, um, quite a bit here. I want to point out that that we don't mean just Kim and me. Uh, on the inside of our wedding band, uh, we have Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. In a nutshell, the verse says, two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Um, we, even as a couple, we really have no hope to love our son, each other, or anyone for that matter, the way that they need to be loved without that third cord, and that's Jesus. So I'd love to share um, a verse that's carried my heart through the ups and downs of the past four years as our family has grown and then shrunk and changed. Um, Isaiah 55, 8 through 12 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Then verses 10 and 11 talk about how not even a drop of rain hits the ground before it fulfills the purpose that God intended. And then verse 12 assures us of joy and peace. As we wrap up, uh, we'd like to share a few thoughts with you. Although the confession of her fair and my pornography was a huge turning point for us, um, the biggest truth we've come to know is that neither of these were the thing. Um, they were symptoms of deeper problems. We've identified a few things that <clears throat> excuse me, have made a, a big difference the past 10 years in our marriage and family. Uh, the first one is community. Um, This was absolutely instrumental in helping me start to lead my family in a godly way, in a way that Kim would want to follow. The guys in in our group pushed me very uncomfortably to be transparent, to reject passivity, and to lead my family and to love Kim the way Christ loved the church. And they were for our marriage, not for me or not for Zach. Um, But as Proverbs 27, 17 says, to sharpen us uh, as iron sharpens iron. The second one is a commitment to seek a a relationship with God over the the relationship with our spouse. Um, This ties back to the idea of of drawing the circle around yourself. Um, John 15, 5 tells us that apart from God, we can do nothing. 
verse 17 then goes on to tell us that uh, to love each other. And he just said that we can't do that apart from him. So these verses clearly show that our love for others is wholly dependent upon being connected to Christ. The third thing is to identify your bricks or logs, as Matthew 7 calls them. For me, a big one was resentment, and it was stealthy but strong. For you, it might be hopelessness or selfishness, but whatever it is, identify it so that you can begin to tear it down uh, just as it was built brick by brick. And then um, number four is value your relationship with your spouse more than your relationship with your kids. Uh, The best thing we can give our kids is a healthy marriage, especially when there's been conflict with one of the kids. We are a team, not against our kids, but for our kids. So at the, be- at the beginning of our story, Zach shared the verse that he likes as a theme for our story, and now I'd like to share mine. Ephesians three twenty through 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory forever. Over the past 10 years, we've grown closer to each other, to the Lord, and as a family. And here we are. Here's our family. So David is um, at the top in orange, Jonathan is below him, and then Tatiana, who's been with us five years today. And that's us up there. <laughs> that's, thank you. Just in case you, you know. Uh, <laughs> lastly, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that all this was, was easy. It wasn't at all, but I promise you it was worth it. Thanks for letting us share. Thanks.